Hello, everyone. Welcome back to returning listeners, and thank you if you're a new listener for joining us here at Minority Medicine. My name is Amari Paul, and I'm a freshman at Stanford University. I'm your host, and today we will be talking about the rise of social media and its correlative effects on clinical practice. With COVID-19 being the topic of our last series, Dispelling Minority Distrust of Healthcare, I hope to now look at how COVID has caused mass output of medical content on social media. This exponential increase in digestible informatics, diagnoses, procedures, and more through platforms like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn has opened up the forbidden doors to an important conversation leading us to the golden question, does social media make better physicians? Through anecdotes from physicians on the front lines during the first outbreak of COVID in the United States, data on evolving trends and implications for practice, and medical education experts, I hope to bring you to my conclusion, which I will reveal at the end of this podcast, so stay tuned for the big reveal. Before we begin, I want to note that all answers and information provided originate from accredited sources and will be provided in the show notes. The doors are wide open, so let's get this conversation started. For the past few weeks, after I get home from my shifts in the emergency room, I scroll through Facebook pages on my laptop, getting first-hand stories from doctors in Italy, China, and Iran. I scan through their patients' ultrasound and CT scans, review their blood tests, read day-by-day accounts of their clinical progress, and listen to retrospective thoughts of what worked well and what didn't. Dr. Ouyang, a frontline physician at New York Presbyterian Hospital, recounts what it was like for ER doctors to treat the first COVID-positive patients in New York. Dr. Ouyang then goes on to say that, Then I open another browser tab and pull up Twitter, perusing the page for any new information. I pause at a small study here, a letter in an academic journal there, any clinical information I can find, even an anecdote about a single patient, feels very useful. When reflecting on the quote, Medicine is a Science of Uncertainty and an Art of Probability by Dr. William Osler, a founder of Johns Hopkins. She goes on to note the immensely positive effects of social media usage as a physician. Dr. Ouyang states that today, doctors are fortunate to be able to do this in an online forum that spans the globe. We are freely able to admit what we don't know about the new virus to try to translate what our colleagues in Italy and around the world have learned to the hospitals where we currently work. Along with the clinical advantages, she also points out the emotional advantages of this new creative and international support system by admitting that she also gets to gauge how her fellow doctors are doing mentally and emotionally, how they're coping with the uncertainty of what's to come. With more general coverage on dialogues opening through physician groups on different social media platforms, A Bloomberg article dives into the specific progress in COVID care, procedures, and prescriptions aided by social media. The exponential increase I described before is even further detailed by the article in which it notes that for COVID-19, a kind of medical hive mind is on the case. By the tens of thousands, doctors are joining specialized social media groups to develop answers in real time. One of them, a Facebook group called the PMG COVID-19 subgroup, has 30,000 members worldwide. Questions in chats and forums look like, if you had someone in respiratory failure and didn't have help, what would you want to know? This was written by a critical care doctor, March 12th, who posted to the group. 
They were responded to with a flood of comments. And for this specific question about respiratory failure, Italian pulmonary specialists gave video lectures viewed by thousands. Others shared experiences and data from China and other countries already ravaged by the virus. They later learned that the best chance of saving a COVID-19 patient is to turn almost immediately to ventilators after intubating the patient. News then spread on social media platforms that some patients were getting sicker due to being prescribed with the commonly utilized drug ibuprofen, which is sold under brand names like Motrin and Advil. A study produced by the medical journal Lancet concluded that ibuprofen had the potential to increase the number of receptors the virus uses to hijack healthy human cells and spread. This discovery led to prolific chatter on social media amongst physicians until French health minister Oliver Verne tweeted that patients use acetaminophen instead of ibuprofen. Acetaminophen is an alternative pain reliever and fever reducer that is sold under the brand name Tylenol in the U.S. Debate raged over this, but some physician groups on social media decided that it ultimately wasn't worth it to keep prescribing ibuprofen, so they switched to acetaminophen. The wider COVID-19 community also made this switch shortly after. But not all physicians have made the switch due to their personal findings and lack of real data studies that produced unrushed, reliable scientific output. Nonetheless, the ability to consult with other healthcare professionals about trends in patient reaction to prescriptions is almost crucial during a rapidly unfolding pandemic with no formal procedures established. As we now segue into discussing platform usage, empirical data, and correlations to data experts, we now look into a study entitled Social Media and Healthcare Professionals, Benefits, Risks, and Best Practices that initiates our discussion of how clinicians are using social media currently and how that has impacted their career. As stated by the aforementioned article, 65% of physicians use social media sites for professional reasons, and nearly a third of physicians have reported participating in social networks with this number increasing daily. This increase is then shown in recent discovery that more than 90 pages on Facebook are related to the pharmacy profession, such as Pharmacist Interest Page, the American Pharmacist Association, and the Cynical Pharmacist. Now that social media has become more popular than ever in the professional and personal lives of physicians, patients, and others interested in healthcare, we can now see a new trend forming. As social networking has evolved, medically focused professional communities have been established. Some examples of these communities include CERMO, Doximity, the Medical Directors Forum, Quansha MD, doc to doc and the Student-Doctor Network. For more quantitative data on some of the more popular physician-only sites, here are some empirical stats of CERMO and Doximity membership. CERMO consists of physicians representing 68 specialties in all 50 states to discuss treatment options and to query peers for expert advice. As of April 2014, CERMO boasted a U.S. membership of 260,000 physicians. The most important feature of the site is that it provides a rating system by which doctors rank posts on the site on the basis of perceived credibility. Doximity, on the other hand, is a newer physician-only social networking site that offers text and images that are in compliance with the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, also known as HIPAA, which allows a point-of-care information crowdsourcing. As of 2013, their membership, which includes physicians and students, reached more than 100,000 people. 
Although only 12% of U.S. physicians are active members on Doximity, nearly 100% can be messaged through the network. Other exciting advances about broadening the spread of medical information and knowledge into our now national healthcare community come from the aforementioned Medical Directors Forum and the Social Doctor Network. The Medical Directors Forum provides resources to medical directors that include a comprehensive library, discussion groups, calendar postings, alerts, and dedicated groups, including hospital, veterans affairs, Medicare, group practice, employer, behavior health, and many more subcategories. Excitingly, the Student Doctorate Network has become a popular social community site for undergraduates and practicing physicians, dentists, and veterinarians in the U.S. and Canada. With more than 40,000 active members and 1.5 million monthly visitors, the Student Doctor Network is able to share information on clinical careers. In this study, the uses for social media are listed as professional networking, professional education, organizational promotion, patient care, patient education, and public health programs. Here are some major highlights of the uses of social media in medicine. In a 2012 study, 38% of pharmacy faculty members used Facebook for teaching, with half reporting that they plan to use social media in the future. At Auburn University, 81% of the pharmacy students felt that Twitter had let them express their opinions on class discussions that they would not have shared otherwise due to anonymity with Twitter handles. Social media platforms have also enhanced nursing education experiences now that 53% of nursing schools are now using this tool. Organizational promotion had great implications of social media usage and data, in which studies noted that 57% of consumers said that a hospital's social media presence would strongly influence their choice regarding whether to go for services. 81% of consumers then interpreted a strong medical social media presence as an indication that the hospital offers cutting-edge technologies. Lastly, patient education has tremendous correlation to social media content, in which 74% of people looking for health-related information online use social media to do so. The visual nature of social media is a key characteristic of human attraction towards information digestion through these platforms. A study done in an article titled Visual Abstracts to Disseminate Research on Social Media illustrates the visual aspects of humans through data comparisons of tweets with visuals versus tweets without visuals and how this great advantage of social media has led to increased readership. In a study published in the Letter Brief Clinical Report, researchers reached the conclusion that social media, and specifically Twitter, is an effective platform to disseminate research. It noted that the use of visual abstracts was associated with higher levels of dissemination as measured by impressions, shares, and article visits on the publisher's website. They found that there was a strong correlation between the use of visual abstract tweets and increased dissemination on social media. They stated that when article titles were tweeted, each tweet averaged 3,073.3 impressions and 11 retweets. However, when the same articles were tweeted as visual abstracts, each tweet averaged a 7.7-fold increase in impressions and an 8.4-fold increase in retweets. Nancy Duarte, in her book, Data Story, even goes into all the details of consumable data through storytelling and visuals. For physicians that need to interpret data all the time, especially in times of COVID where life or death decisions need to be made, data presented through these digestible platforms needs to be told to them as a story. 
so that they could relay it to others. Duarte notes that making a recommendation requires that you first judge the data. This chart went up. Was that good? Was it expected? Should we keep going in this direction or change course? Do we have all the data we need to make a good decision? This is almost a perfect emulation of the clinical thought process when determining treatment plans for patients in ICUs at this very moment. Data and doctors just go hand in hand, and the way in which Duarte notes that data acts as a magical tool is precisely the role that we see social media taking for healthcare professionals needing easy access to life-saving information. And those three ways are as follows. Reactive, proactive, and predictive. Folks, we've now reached the portion of this episode you have all been waiting for, and that is my opinion. Now, we started this episode by introducing you all to the golden question, that being, does social media make better physicians? And my answer is yes. Social media does make better physicians, but this is only possible when utilized properly by following community guidelines and upholding HIPAA. Some guideline categories included in the first study mentioned in this podcast were content credibility, legal concerns, licensing concerns, networking practices, patient care, patient privacy, personal privacy, personal ethics, and self-identification. Physicians need to make sure that they are taking into account these legal concerns, respecting their patient privacy, upholding their professional ethics, and taking into account their own self-identification limits. But, to return to the broader scale of my argument as to why social media does indeed make better physicians, we turn our heads to the world around us. Here are some questions I want to leave you with. How many people would be dying as of this very moment due to COVID-19 if it weren't for online physician chat rooms and emergency medicine discussion spaces? Would people still be dying due to low oxygen saturation levels simply because going from intubation to ventilation wasn't widespread knowledge? Would we be in a state where using vaccines looked optimistic if ICUs were still packed in the U.S. simply because knowledge discovered in other countries such as Italy and China on how to overcome clinical obstacles couldn't be disseminated? This pandemic not only served as a historical precedent for medical informatics and information dissemination, but it also currently serves as a wake-up call to the healthcare field, healthcare workers, and anyone interested in medicine that social media is a powerful tool that has the ability to enhance the education, practice, and support of physicians. As we're coming to the end of this episode, I want to note that social media is as beneficial to you as a patient, physician, scientist, and learner as you make it. So take into account the guidelines mentioned. Social media has definitely played a role in my undergraduate career as I have learned to share my love for medicine through sharing these podcasts with you all. I would like to thank you all for joining us here today at Minority Medicine, and I hope you join us again for the next episode of our continuing series, Dispelling Minority Distrust of Healthcare, as we discuss next, hypertension in the African-American community. 